which wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cain in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. I want to preach you on this subject. I'm going fishing. Are you going fishing? Heads bowed, eyes closed, let's pray. Ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your working in our hearts already today. And Lord, I'm asking you, would you step down and meet with us now? I need you. I have nothing to offer but you, but even my feeble words can do nothing. So I'm asking for power. Would you step down and meet with us and may we be responsive to your working. Holy Spirit, would you do your job of convicting of sin and convincing of Jesus? I can do neither. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see Jesus today so that we may see where we have fallen short, that we may confess, and may we leave walking with you. May you help this not to be a sermon, but may it be a message from heaven. And I ask this, the only way I know how, through the precious name and through the precious blood of my Jesus, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. I like going fishing. I like talking to people about fishing stories. Except, we never can figure out how big the fish was. You know, when I read about this story in John chapter number 21, although I wish it was a good fishing story, fishing in this story is not a good thing. And we read about a guy named Peter. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but Peter reminds me of me. I mean, not just because um, he talks, but because he always is opening his mouth and inserting his foot up the thigh. I mean, sometimes I hear what Peter says, and I think, Peter, what is wrong with you? And then, um, and then I look at me, and I realize some of the things that I've said before. And uh, I was working at a camp years ago, and I announced a group to come sing. Well, at that week or that year, that summer at camp, we had two different groups of ladies. We had a small ladies trio, and then we had, I guess you'd call it an ensemble of all the ladies of the camp singing. Well, um, I was trying to differentiate between the two. And so I finished leading the music. I said, you may be seated. Listen now as the large ladies group comes and sings for us. <laughs> you tell me, how do you get out of that? So I tried to fix it. Uh -oh. Yeah, uh-oh. And I said, I'm sorry, that came out wrong. What I was trying to say was, now we're going to have the large in size ladies group come. <laughs> it just got worse. I finally just said, they're going to sing. And I sat down and was praising the Lord that all of them were pencil thin. 
But when you say things like that, you think, that's terrible. I can't. I've asked people before. I asked a lady in Walmart one time. She was having an awful lot of trouble getting something down from a tall shelf. And I'm not tall. I'm not short. I'm vertically challenged, okay? And, uh, but I was taller than her, and I could reach it. And I said, let me help you with that. And I was trying to be nice and start a friendly conversation. And I said, so when are you due? Yeah, I have never said that since. I'm still convinced to this day she was expecting. I think she was about five or six months along. Um, but she said, I'm not. You tell me, how do you get out of that? I have no idea. I just said, I'm sorry, and I ran. I mean, I was out of there. And I read about some of the things Peter said, and I think, Peter, I understand. You say something, excuse me, dumb, and you can't figure out how to fix it because you're not thinking on the level that Jesus asked the question. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. I would think Peter would understand now that what Jesus said he meant. And Peter says, nope, not me. Jesus just told him. There are other times in the scripture where Peter will say things and I think, Peter, what in the world? There are some times where Peter says something good. But, you know, one of the bad, bad times when Peter says something is when he is there at the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says, Lord, let's build three altars, three tabernacles, and worship. Now Jesus doesn't kick him in the teeth. God steps down and says, this is my beloved son. I, if I would have been Peter, I would have felt, you know, like this big, crawl under a rock and hide. You know, in this story, in John chapter 21, I read about Peter. And Peter, again, makes not just a foolish statement, he makes a foolish choice. At this point in the scripture, Jesus has died. Jesus has just come back to life. He has risen, and Peter has seen him two times, at least. Now, Peter makes a decision, and he takes other people with him in the decision. And I kind of scratch my head because I know both the beginning and the end of the story, as do you. And I think, Peter, what is wrong with you? You know, Peter has already been told by the Lord that he was not ever going to be a fisher of fish again, but now he would be a fisher of men. Well, now Jesus has died, and Peter, I don't know if he's bored or if he's discouraged or if he's just, I don't know, confused. And he looks at his friends and he said, hey guys, I'm going fishing. And a bunch of them say, Okay, we'll go with you. Nobody stood up. I would have think John would have said, you know, Peter, Jesus told us not to fish for fish, but to fish for men. And it doesn't sound in this passage, it doesn't sound like they're trying to get something to eat. It sounds like they're going to find something to do. That's the idea. Because they're not fishing during the daytime. They're fishing in the middle of the night. Um, that sounds like it's a, um, an event, you know, Men's all-nighter on the lake. That, that kind of is what it sounds like. So Peter, in verse number 2, Therefore were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus. We all remember Thomas from a few verses earlier. Tom, Thomas, 
was not there the first time Jesus appeared to his disciples. The second time Thomas is there. They're all trying to convince Thomas. Thomas says, no, I won't believe it till I see it. And I put my hands in his, finger, in his nail prints and my hand in his side. Then I'll believe. Well, Jesus steps into the room. Thomas, he looks at him and he says, go ahead, reach your fingers into my nail prints and into my side. And Thomas falls at his feet and says, Lord, Lord. That's the same Thomas. The same one who just recognized who Jesus was. And now Peter says, I'm going fishing. Thomas said, I'll go with you. Notice who else goes. You'll find that Nathaniel and Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, okay, so James and John, and two other of his disciples. So you have Peter, you have Thomas, that's two. You have Nathaniel, you have two of the Zebedee sons. You now also have two other of the disciples. So now you have seven disciples counting Peter. So Peter has influenced six people who knew better. And Peter says, you know what, guys, I'm going fishing. And in verse number three, uh, excuse me, yes, verse number three, Simon Peter said, I go fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. And immediately they enter into a ship, and the night, and that night they caught nothing. You say, what's the big deal? They're just fishing. Maybe they are just fishing but they're not doing what Jesus told them to do. Jesus has, excuse me, trained them for three and a half years how to win people. Jesus has showed them what they should be doing, and now Jesus isn't around, and now they're looking at it as, you know what, i got to have something else to do. I don't know, maybe they're too long being in the upper room, and they're just kind of bored. Maybe they're confused as far as, well, Jesus told us to do this, but now Jesus is not leading us. I don't know what the deal is, but after this passage, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than fish? That's immediately following this passage. So Peter knows what he should be doing and instead chooses to do something completely different. You know, all of us know people who used to follow Jesus, who used to maybe be in this church, who used to say, oh, how I love Jesus, but now it's evident they love something far more. All of us, all of us have the opportunity to choose who and what we love. And what we love, we spend time with. And who we love, we reveal by how we spend time with them. And now Peter, who has boasted how much he loves the Lord, Jesus comes to him at the end of the passage and said, you don't act like you love me. You know, when we choose to do something else or when we choose to follow someone else or follow something else, instead of following Jesus, we will always take others with us. Always. These are men who have been with Jesus. I mean, this is John. This is the one who all throughout the book of John never refers to himself as John, but says the one who Jesus loved. I don't think, I really don't think John is being arrogant in his statement. I don't think he is saying, hey, look, Peter, Jesus loved me more than he loves you. I don't think that's John's point. I think John's point is, 
Jesus loves me. And oh, how I love Jesus. I think that's John's point. Well, why didn't John tell Peter? Peter, no, shouldn't do that. That's not what Jesus left us to do. That's not what Jesus trained us to do. Peter, no, we shouldn't go fishing. We need to go do this and go do that. No, no, no. He says, listen, you know what, Peter? I know you have some nutty ideas sometime, but all right. We're not doing anything else. By the way, Christian, when you and I get comfortable listening to preaching, something's wrong. When you and I get comfortable of just sitting back in our seats, and you know what? We've done our time for Jesus. We don't need to do anything else. Right now, we'll leave it to the younger crowd. Look out. That's when we are open the door for the devil to distract us. I was in a church not too long ago, and they, had, they were meeting like a multi-purpose building. And at Sunday night, they'd all stack the chairs, move them aside, and set out tables. And an older gentleman passed me. We were just visiting. He passed me. He had his coat in his hand. And he looked at me and he said, Brother, I did my time. I'll let the younger guys do it now. I understand what he was saying. And maybe there were things he could not do. But anybody can move a chair. You understand what I'm saying? It was almost like, I've served Jesus long enough. Jesus is pleased with me. Excuse me. We don't ever have the privilege to sit back and not serve Jesus. Oh, you can make a choice to, but then you're laying up for yourselves treasures on earth instead of treasures in heaven. I've met Christians who say, listen, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. I know all these things. I don't need to hear Bible preaching anymore. I've heard all that for years. Listen, until I reach heaven, I will deal with sin. And until I reach heaven, I need Bible preaching. And until I reach heaven, I need to win souls for Jesus. You say, well, I can't walk like everybody else can from door to door. Maybe you can't, but maybe you should figure out a way to still tell people about Jesus because Jesus still commands it. Peter knew what Jesus wanted him to do. Peter knew he was supposed to preach the gospel. Hey, earlier in Peter's ministry with the Lord, the Lord had already given him power. Power to cast out devils, power to preach, power to see people healed. And even then, Peter didn't have a really good idea of what Jesus meant. Maybe Peter was too busy thinking about all the ramifications of giving up fishing. I don't know. But whatever the case, Peter knew Bible truth and changed his mind to do what he wanted to do. And when you and I do that, we will always take other people with us. We often think that our decisions for Jesus will not affect anyone, but they will always affect someone. You will affect your family based on how you choose to follow Jesus. You will affect your church by how faithful you choose to be. You will affect others around you by how seriously you take obedience with God. And we say, no big deal. A lot of times we use that no big deal when it comes to sins like pornography. And we say, it's not hurting anyone. Well, maybe you're not hurting anyone physically, but you are hurting your family. 
and it will come out and you will destroy the people around you, including your church. It's a big deal. Well, you know what? It's not going to affect everybody. You know, the way I treat my spouse, the way I handle my money for God, the way I attend church, the way I obey God, it's not a big deal. It affected six other people because Peter said, I'm going fishing. Six other people who knew what was right said, "Uh, yeah, no big deal. I'll do that. You know, I'm in church after church after church after church where people come and they tell me, you know what? So-and-so told me this about the pastor. Here's my answer. If you're going to talk about the pastor, let's go find the pastor. And you know what every person says? Eh, no, I'm okay. Well, that just revealed that it's your problem, not the pastor's problem. Well, you know what? I have a problem with so-and-so. Why do you have a problem with so-and-so? Well, because some, someone else has a problem with so-and-so. I'm leaving the church. Why? Somebody looked at me funny. Maybe they had indigestion. Give them a break. Well, I just don't like how things are done. Go back to the Bible. It's about obedience. That's all it's about. Well, I don't like how they said this. So what? We're in it for a bigger cause and a big picture of pleasing Jesus. Not for everybody else. You keep going. Peter's affected these people. You will find in verse number 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Wait a minute. Didn't they know who Jesus was? Haven't they been with Jesus for three and a half years? They've already seen Jesus twice since he's risen from the dead. And in another verse, if you go down to verse number 8, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land. (laughs) It wasn't that far. And they didn't even know that it was Jesus. Jesus even spoke to them, and they didn't know that it was him. Get this. When you and I choose to go fishing, or take it easy, or do what we want to do instead of simply obeying and following Jesus. Number one, you always take other people with you. And number two, you always lose sight of whom you love. Or you lose sight of who loves you. They knew who Jesus was. They're not far from land. Finally, John gets the picture after the miracle of fishes, and he said, it's the Lord. And he had to tell Peter. Even Peter couldn't recognize Jesus. Get this. When you and I choose to just follow self or others or things instead of Jesus, we have trouble identifying Jesus. In other words, we hear a preacher preach about Jesus and we say, "Eh, I don't know about that. If he's preaching Bible, stop questioning it and just take the Bible for what it says. Well, I don't know. So-and-so says they get answers to prayer. I haven't seen that recently. Why not? You know, do you know Jesus promises in John 15 that when you walk with him, he does answer prayer? It's not a hope so. It's a promise. I have seen God answer prayer, and I have had times in my life where I have not seen him answer prayer, and it's not his fault. It's my fault. Last year, about this time, we were preaching in Michigan. And I realized we're expecting baby girl number two. 
I said baby girl number two in one church, and they thought I meant twins. <laughs> what I meant was a second girl, okay, baby. And I realized with an extended cab 2004 Chevy Silverado 3500, you cannot fit two car seats in an extended cab. And I thought, what am I going to do? I only have a couple more months. And so I took it to the Lord. And I'll be honest, I only prayed about it one time. I'm walking the church parking lot, and I realize I can't fit two car seats in our extended cab. And I said, Lord, I think I need a truck. I need one with lots of room. And it would really be nice not to have to make the repairs I've been making on the 04. And I didn't tell anyone. And one week later, a friend of mine calls me, and he says, let me show you a truck. I looked at it, 2019 F350, dually cab chassis, mega cab, super uh, whatever. He said, you should get that truck. I said, uh-huh, yeah. He said, maybe you should make payments on it. I realize at this point he's joking with me. And I said, brother, what are you trying to tell me? He said, I've been praying for years that I could buy a truck, and God has never let me. So I just decided last week that um, maybe I should ask God if I could buy you a truck. He said, and God said, yes. And if you want this 2019, it's already paid for, it's yours. Don't tell me God can't answer prayer. And a lot of times we're looking for big things when God even promises to answer small things. But when we choose to follow self or other people instead of Jesus, we can't even see who Jesus is. You know, God's promised to give us victory over sin, and we sit back and say, ah, I don't know. I keep trying to have victory over sin, and it's not working. That's not God's fault. That's our fault. It's not in trying to get out of self what I can. It's in trusting Jesus to do it all through me. And he says in this verse that Peter didn't even know that it was Jesus, and Jesus is standing on the shore. You know, a lot of times we look at everybody else who's walking with Jesus, and we say, man, that's weird. That's because we're not walking with Jesus. We say, man, they can get answers to prayer. God doesn't say some people get answered to prayer and some people can't. He says anybody can if they call unto me. Anybody. By the way, I don't care how old you are. My three-year-old prayed for jelly beans a few weeks ago. And guess what? God gave us jelly beans. You say, that's silly. Excuse me, he answered a prayer of a three-year-old. You say, what's your big deal? The big deal is God still works. I, I, I know politics are a mess. But that does not change who God is. And we're so focused on politics, both in our churches and in America and in the world, that we've lost sight of who our loving God is. It's not about politics. Politics should show us that we have an awful lot to do in a short amount of time. That's what it should be. Peter loses sight of Jesus. He's already taken other people with him. Then notice what happens in verse number 3, the end of the verse. They went forth, entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. So what they were trying to accomplish, they didn't. Because they're trying to do something, number one, that Jesus didn't design them to do, at least in this passage. They're trying to do it without his power. 
So when you and I choose to follow others, to follow things instead of just Jesus, you always take others with you. You will also find that you lose sight of whom you love and you forfeit God's power and victory. Peter has nothing. By the way, there is more than just this time in the Bible that they fished, caught nothing, and God gave them abundance. And this time, Peter, I wonder if he remembers the time that they caught so many fish that they had to call the other boat. And I just wonder, Peter, why aren't you looking at your past? Why aren't you looking at what God did in the past? Why are you looking to right now, trying to fulfill your own needs, your own uh, wants, trying to be satisfied with what you can give yourself when Jesus has already told him he wants him to fish for men? When Jesus has already trained him for three and a half years to give the gospel to people, when Jesus has already shown him, not just verbally, but through his actions, that Jesus can do anything. Peter's not looking for who Jesus is or what Jesus can do. Peter is looking for what Peter can get out of life, at least in this point. You know, a lot of times we are looking for satisfaction and we are looking for anything to satisfy us except we, go, we fail to go back to this book. We look for a preacher to satisfy us instead of the book that he preaches. And when we can't get satisfaction there, not because of him or what he preaches, but because of our own heart's need, then we start looking for other preachers who don't even preach the Bible. We get on the radio or maybe the TV and we look at people that dress really snazzy. I don't know where they get all those offerings from. And they fold their hands like this and they lean over like this and they go, Excuse me, just because someone looks nice and maybe talks really sweet um, doesn't mean they walk with God. And it doesn't mean they're preaching the Bible. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't care what Joel Osteen says. If it's not Bible, you need to stay away from it. And I don't care what the latest writer writes about. You need to go back to the old-fashioned writer, the one that gave truth. The one that said, follow me. The one that said, follow me as I follow Christ. The one that said, he gives us the living words and if you open your mouth wide, he will fill it. If you're looking for satisfaction in anything else but the word of God and walking with God, you will find no satisfaction. Excuse me, if you're looking for satisfaction by the people that come to your church, you are going to be let down because we're all made of dust and we are all sinners. So don't look to everybody else. Look to Jesus. And don't look for everybody else to base your spiritual temperature on. A lot of times we look at someone that comes to church on Sunday morning and we say, ooh, I'm not as bad as them. They don't come Sunday night or Wednesday night. <laughs> I guess I'm a pretty good Christian. Seriously? We're a sinner saved by grace. And if you base your spiritual temperature off of everyone else around you instead of Bible truth and who Jesus is, you will be greatly deceived. Let me ask you something. 
If your church's spiritual temperature was based on your spiritual temperature, what would the temperature of your church be? A church is only as strong as their weakest church member. That's why we need to encourage one another to follow Jesus. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Not what Jesus designed. So he takes others with him. He loses sight of whom he loves and he forfeits power and blessing that Jesus gives. And so now when Jesus is on the shore in verse number five, then Jesus said unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. It sounds like they're desperate now. It sounds like they want something now. Now they're hungry. Now it hasn't just been a fishing trip for fun. Now this is desperate. We're hungry. You say, how do you know they were hungry? Because Jesus has already fixed breakfast for them on the shore. And I think Jesus knew their needs. But you know, had they been on the shore with Jesus to begin with, all their needs would have been met. And now you find that Jesus says, have you any meat? No. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Even Peter still didn't recognize it was Jesus. I would think, Peter, uh, do you remember when Jesus turned the water into grape juice? Do you remember that, Peter? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh -huh. Peter, do you remember when uh, you didn't have any fish? And uh, Jesus gave you fish. Oh, yeah, and we had to call the uh, sons of Zebedee over and help us. Yeah. Hmm. Peter, do you remember when Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus? Oh, yeah, I was there. Peter, do you remember when the woman came to the well where Jesus was and Jesus gave her living water? Well, I remember coming back and Jesus saying he didn't need any food. Hey, he had already been filled. Peter, do you remember seeing the lame man walk at the pool of Bethesda? Peter, do you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember. all. I was there for all of it. Then, Peter, who do you think gave you all the fish? Duh. That's what I want to tell Peter. And Peter, even now that he sees Jesus working, he does not understand that it was Jesus. Why? Because Peter has strayed. Peter has put his sights on earthly things instead of heavenly things. And it takes John to say, um, Peter, that's Jesus. Now I think Peter realizes he's been wrong. Now I think Peter realizes I have followed everything else. I've done what I want to do. I've tried to satisfy self by doing what self knows is comfortable. I've tried to do all of these things. Obviously, I've been fruitless. Obviously, I've taken other people with me. Obviously, I can't even recognize the Jesus that I tell everyone else I love so much. And now I think Peter's desperate. The Bible will say in verse number 7, Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher, his coat unto him, for he was naked, and had cast himself into the sea. 
You say, what's your point? Two things. What he used to be desperate for, he no longer cared about. Peter wanted fish. And when Jesus finally gave Peter what he wanted, Peter said, I don't think I want that anymore. That's not what's going to satisfy me. I see my Jesus, and I'm swimming to him. You know, another reason I think Peter jumped out of the boat, not just because he knew the fish, what he wanted would not satisfy him, but because he knew what would. And I think because Peter knew he had to fall at the feet of Jesus immediately. You see, it wasn't just a chapter and a half earlier where Peter denies the one who he says he loves so much. And now, he's forsaken the Jesus that he loves. And Peter's desperate to get to shore. He forgets about what he wants. And he looks to who he needs. And he swims to shore and he falls at the feet of Jesus. I don't know everything that happened on the shore, but I do know this. Peter had some one-on-one time with the Jesus who he had forsaken. And maybe it's time for us to just get back to, my church doesn't need Jesus as much as I personally need Jesus. Because if each and every one of us became desperate for Jesus on a personal level, it would take care of the temperature of our churches. And Peter said, I need Jesus. He goes, he falls at the feet of Jesus. I don't know all that takes place. You'll find in verse number 8, the other disciples came in a little ship, and they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net of fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw the fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. In other words, uh, they wanted fish, and Jesus gave them more than what they needed or what they wanted. Jesus is now satisfying them. And yes, they bring their nets to shore, and then they look. I guess, being a fisherman, the fish are already cleaned, and they're already there. The disciples didn't have to do any work to be satisfied. They just had to come to Jesus and let Jesus do the work. And now they come, and they're satisfied. And then if you go down, you'll find... Verse number 10, And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. For all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. By the way, even Peter got to dine. Even Peter got the blessings of the Lord. Well, Peter, he chose to go fishing. Yes, but I think that time where Peter went to shore, I think Peter was falling at Jesus' feet saying, Jesus, I have forsaken you, I have denied you, and now I'm getting right with you. I've looked for other things to satisfy. You told me what to do. I did not do. And Jesus, I come to you, and now Peter is forgiven. Peter can now dine with everybody else at the master's feet. And if you go further, you'll find that Jesus looks at him in verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said, saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Let me ask you something. What do you love? 
Who do you love? You can say, oh, I love my family. Great. But Jesus said, do you love me more than these? If you don't love Jesus first, you don't love Jesus. Put Jesus first and everything else will fall into place. Make Jesus the one who you love and who you serve. We all say we love Jesus. Here's my question. Because of his question, does Jesus know you love him? I mean, Jesus had to ask Peter. Because Peter was not showing that he loved Jesus. Don't go fishing. At least not spiritually. Don't go after what you think will satisfy. Go after the one who only will satisfy. If you're taking others with you, make sure you're running to Jesus because if you're running to anything else or anyone else but Jesus, you will take others away from Jesus. If you're running after sin, you'll take other people, including many of your family, after the same sin, at least eventually. You say, well, listen, I mean... I'm just bored, I'm just discouraged, I'm just confused. Run to Jesus. Jesus will take care of all of that. I don't understand everything that's happening in our world. He does. So run to Him. Are you going fishing? Don't go fishing. Follow Jesus. Where are you? Are you in the boat? Are you in the water from the boat getting to Jesus? Are you at Jesus' feet? Or are you still trying to decide, should I go fishing or should I follow Jesus? Jesus says only one will satisfy. Follow Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm done this morning. I ask you this. How many would say, you know what, Brother Stevenson? God's spoken to my heart about who or what I've been following. Would you pray for me? God's spoken to my heart about just following Jesus. If that's you, you just slip your hand up long enough I can see it. I'll just remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Several hands. Great. You can put your hands down. I ask you this. How many would say, you know what, Brother Glenn? I've been looking for other things to satisfy me besides Jesus. And he's spoken to me today. Would you pray for me if that's you? Would you slip your hand up? I'll just remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. I ask you this. How many would say, you know what? I've been taking some others with me. And I've been giving a testimony that other things are more important than Jesus. And that needs to change starting with me. Would you pray for me if that's you? Would you just slip your hand up long enough I can see it? All right. Thank you. Put your hands up. Now, what will you do with Jesus? You can follow or you can just talk about him. What will you do? Just a moment. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we'll all stand. The piano will play. If God has spoken to you, maybe you raise your hand. Maybe you didn't. Maybe God spoke to you in something that I didn't even mention. That's the working of God. And when we all stand in a minute after I pray, and when the piano starts playing, 
I'd encourage you. Would you do business with God? You need to sit in your seat and pray, that's fine. You need to just stand right in your spot, that's fine. If you want to come forward, that's fine. But please, don't be like Peter. Instead, run to Jesus today. My Father, I've done what you've asked me to do. I believe you're working. And Lord, I believe you're working far beyond anything I even said or mentioned. And I pray that you would do your working in our hearts, that we would respond to your working and I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me as the piano begins to play? If you need to do business with Jesus, would you? You need to come to the front, feel free to. You need to sit in your seat and pray. But do whatever it takes to follow Jesus.